0: Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down. They cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Those words were written for the people of Israel who were in exile in Babylon. They were languishing in Babylon in the middle of the 6th century before Jesus. And those words were addressed to them, but they are good for us too. Those words were the signature story or reminded the Jews of their signature story of God's goodness to them, the parting of the Red Sea so they could escape slavery in Egypt by walking through the water on dry land. But don't look back, says God to those exiles in Babylon. Look to the future because I am doing a new thing. They were a bedraggled people when Isaiah wrote those words. Their temple had been destroyed, and all the best-educated people had been taken as exiles, as slaves, to Babylon. But those exiles in Babylon were beginning to hear rumors that they might be able to return to the land, and they were beginning, just beginning, to hope. But what they remembered was the glory of Solomon's temple with all that gold and teak and precious metals and precious gems. But as they begin to hope for a return to the land they were taken from, the land that God gave them, God says, Do not look back. Look to the future. I am going to do a new thing. And God did. The exiles did return to the land. They rebuilt the temple, but it was nothing, nothing like the glorious one that Solomon had built. Don't look back, says Yahweh to his people. Don't think about the good old days. I am doing something new. I'm not parting the Red Sea, but I am providing rivers in the desert and away in the wilderness. Don't look back. Look to the future. And all of the readings today, every single one of them, has this message somewhere. Paul, writing to his beloved Philippians, says that he, formerly named Saul and now named Paul, does not look back at the good old days when he was a very highly placed, highly regarded Pharisee with impeccable credentials. He didn't meet Jesus back then, but he knew trouble when he heard about it, and so he dedicated his privileged Pharisee life to hunting down those followers of Jesus and, if possible, imprisoning them and, and if possible, executing them. But then, on the road to Damascus in Syria, again planning to capture and imprison followers of this Jesus fellow, Jesus himself intervenes, and Paul counts all that he had before as garbage. From that meeting on the road where the upright Pharisee Saul was blinded for three days, by the very one he was persecuting came a new creation with a new name, Paul. What had been a wonderful life was considered trash compared to the life of suffering and traveling and church planting that Paul was called to by the risen Christ. Don't look back at what you had Jesus might have said to Saul, Paul, I am about to do a new thing. I am about to change the world and you will be my instrument. And even the Psalm speaks of the joy of returning to the land of Israel after the Babylonian exile. The Psalm speaks not of the glory of life before the exile, but of going home, of having sown with tears, but going home and reaping with joy. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old, says God. I am about to do a new thing. But it isn't quite that simple, is it? I wish it were. But one of the ways the Israelites remembered that God loved them when things were going very badly for them was by recounting their stories, especially the Exodus story, by looking back at all the goodness God had given them and remembering it. All over the Hebrew Bible, in the Torah, in the Psalms, in the Prophets, in the history books, we read the Jews' signature story over and over and over. God led us out of slavery. God parted the Red Sea. God made us walk on dry land. God fed us bread in the wilderness. God gave us water out of rocks. We read this over and over and over. And it is a powerful way of not losing hope when everything looks awful. And I learned personally the power of this kind of remembering when I was in year eight of the 15 years of depression. It was a Nash Wednesday. I was reading the first meditation in the forward day-by-day Lent booklet. And it told of a Phoebe nest that had been built. And Phoebes build their nests like swallows, not in a tree, but against a wall or from an eave. And the nest had fallen. And the writer of that meditation said he went into his garage, got a piece of wood, and nailed it under the place where the Phoebes had built their nest, hoping they would return and rebuild. And they did. And he finished the meditation by challenging the readers to make a list of all the ledges that God had nailed under our nests. And I did. I don't always do what I'm told, but that day I did. I took my journal, and I opened it to the inside front cover where I knew there would be space, and I began making a list of all the things God had done for me. You can't see it because I write in pencil, but it's still there all these years later. And then I put it away and got dressed and went to work. A few months later when the darkness rolled in really badly, I remembered and I pulled out that book and I started reading what I had written, the goodness that God had done for me. I read about the the math department chairman who was a Christian and who was my encourager. I read about My cat, Tigger, who would go way far away, and when I came out on the porch, he would run, gallop to me. And then when he got close to the porch, (laughs) say, oh, oh, you're home. (laughs) I read all of these things. I read about how God had dropped a veil over my eyes when I was suicidal, so I could not remember the perfect way to have taken my life. And I got through it. And as I read my list, I realized that I was doing kind of what the people of Israel had done with their exodus story. When the Israelites suffered and wondered if God had abandoned them, they would remember all that God had done for them, and then, after they remembered what he had done, they could look to the future with hope. So there is a purpose to remembering the good things in the past. But it is never wise to look back at the past, longing for a return to just the way it was before, because this God of ours is always doing new things, better than we can ask or imagine. Now, the gospel lesson doesn't look like one of those stories, but I'm going to help you. This is is the end of a long story, the story of Lazarus, that begins the beginning of uh, chapter 11 in John. And you probably know the story. Lazarus was getting ill. His sister sent a message to Jesus, their good friend, good, good friend, to come and heal Lazarus as he had healed many people. And they live in Bethany. And both Mark and Matthew say that Jesus spent the night after his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, which is next week, spent the night in Bethany probably with them they were good friends they loved each other those sisters and lazarus loved jesus and jesus loved them and we can tell partly by the words of the note that they sent the sisters sent a message that said lord he whom you love is ill and they know those sisters know that jesus can cure illness he has cured blindness and leprosy and he has healed people who couldn't walk And so they ask Jesus to come and do what he has done before. And you know what happens. Jesus deliberately lingers, deliberately stays an extra two days so Lazarus has time to die. And Jesus gives a hint to his disciples that a new thing is coming when he explains to them, as they are lingering, that Lazarus' illness is meant for the glory of God. But the sisters don't know that. They don't know that this is going to be for God's glory. They only know about the former health of their brother. They only know that Jesus heals people. And Lazarus dies. And both sisters let Jesus have it when he arrives in the village. If you had been here, our brother would not have died, they both say. And then... And then a new thing happens. Lazarus comes back to life. Jesus doesn't call him back to health. Jesus calls him back to life. He's been dead four days and properly buried, and yet he comes out of the tomb alive. A new thing that those sisters couldn't even have imagined when they were scolding Jesus. And here we are in today's lesson. I don't have enough time to take you through that banquet that Martha prepared and served. But let me tell you, it was better than Babette's feast. If you've seen the movie, you know this banquet was in thanksgiving for the life of their brother. It was magnificent. And then we see Mary who doesn't take a little tiny alabaster jar of oil of nard, but a pound, a pound, a (laughs) Costco-sized container of nard. And there was no Costco back then. This nard cost a year's salary, and she pours it all on the feet of Jesus, who gave her back her brother. And she wipes that oil off because it must have been flowing on the floor and on clothes and everywhere. She wipes that oil with her hair. Are you able to see the new thing that is coming? Jesus says that Mary has that nard for his burial. And poor Judas is sputtering about how it should be sold and the money given to the poor. But there is, in all of that, there is a new thing coming. It's something that we can imagine because we know the story, but they couldn't imagine it back then, not the first time. This gospel lesson comes again on Monday of Holy Week as Jesus sets his face deliberately toward his own death. His disciples will only want him to avoid the authorities, keep a low profile, get out of Jerusalem, escape. But of course, Jesus will die publicly and horribly. And his followers will only think of the way it was before he died. But Mary and Martha, because of what happened to Lazarus, may have an inkling of the new thing that's going to happen. It will happen, we know, on the third day. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing, says our Lord God.